Log Talk Radio. glad you're joining us again today. It's always thrilling to have that same group and more listening every week to A Better World and tuning into our airwaves here on Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> For those of you who do not yet receive the newsletter, A Better World newsletter, it goes out every week for free announcing our weekly radio shows and television shows and what will be the topics, the subjects, the issues at hand, and the guests. So simply go to www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv. I mean, really, what more can people want but a better world. Think about it. So why wouldn't you want to receive a newsletter that's all about what's going on to create a better world? Who wouldn't want to listen to a radio show, a television show, that is designed for um, perpetrating and promulgating these kinds of values, these higher priorities having to do with um, high-level, high-quality education, harmony among nations, uh, harmony inside one's own body, mind, and spirit right here at home on the micro-fractal level, if you will. These are the range of subjects we discuss here on A Better World week by week, both on the TV and the radio shows. All you have to do is take a glimpse of the last several months of interviews, and you will see one after the other after the other. We are either looking at the ways of the mind and uh, the way it works from a point of view of psychology, from the point of view of systems theory, from the point of view of neuroscience, sometimes from the point of view of astrology, or an interview I just did that will be showing up on television in just a few weeks with David Katzmeyer, uh, a better world's dear friend and colleague and webmaster, for that matter, on color rhythms. In other words, the way biorhythms, both for the body, mind, spirit, emotions of an individual, as well as for a nation, and as well as for, yes, the entire planet. 
These are the kinds of things that we talk about at length, in depth, here at A Better World. Now today, I promised in our weekly newsletter to open up the phones to you, any of you who may be listening. Don't be shy. Not today. Not today. This is the day for you, the audience, to speak up and chat with me about what's going on inside your own life, personally, professionally, or the way you are taking a look at world events or, for that matter, national events, state events, local, or the issues at hand as you see them and what you would like to do about them. So, or you can uh, speak with me in my capacity as a counselor and coach and therapist and ask me questions regarding your life, your relationships, your business life. Well, the door is open. And here's the number. 602-753-1860. I will see on my own uh, engineering software platform uh, you calling, and I will patch you in at my earliest. So let's light up the board with you, our audience, to discuss any of those subjects, and not limited to them, not limited. It is only limited by our imagination, my friends, as is all of life. So, again, 602-753-1860. And in the meantime, I will be ranting about one thing or another. I will be monologuing about different subjects that I personally feel are very important for all of us. The first most pressing matter is really our health. I mean, who are we without feeling fit, without feeling alive, without feeling with it, and in the flow? (laughs) We're not doing well. We're not able to perform. We're not able to be in action. If our physical body and our mental body and our emotional bodies are not coordinated and working harmoniously toward this notion of optimal wellness, a holistic idea, certainly, clearly, optimal wellness, optimal health and well-being, that speaks to all our bodies, if you will. And they are bodies. They really have hormones and chemicals, and thought processes, and cells, all of the things that our physical body has, so do our emotional and mental bodies, for all true intents and purposes. An electrical system, nourishment, okay, so that's the way to think. So we want to really nourish ourselves well physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Without which is my premise here, and I invite thee to challenge me. Please, please do. I love being challenged. I say that those are the fundamental substratum of a well-lived life. 
What does it mean? What does it look like? Well, we want to be conscious of what it is we put in our bodies. That means physical food, material food. That means mental food. That means emotional food. Yes, nutrition occurs in all of these. And depending on the way we hold things, we will digest accordingly. Why? That sounds rather far out. Uh -uh. Everything passes through, if you will, a mental filter. The mental filter consists of a belief system. The belief system consists and is nested with perceptions. And the valence, the charge, the weight we give to those perceptions. Is it important that our attire is neat and clean and organized? For some, wearing a well-ironed shirt is of utter importance. And if it is not well-ironed, they will not feel at peace, inner, harmonious, emotional, psychological peace. Just won't work. They'll feel crumpled and crinkled and wrinkled as a person, not just as a shirt. Sounds funny. I know, I know. But do you know such people? Are you one of them? Maybe we all have a little of that in us. You could ask somebody who wears a wrinkled shirt all the time. Hmm. Are you comfortable with that? Ah, I do it because it's easy. Well, given the choice, I would feel better if I were well attired and my shirt were clean and ironed. I know this sounds funny, but I want you to see the way our attitudes, born out of our belief systems, about what is good and what is not, is also based on our perceptions, is influencing the way we think, and that is influencing our biochemical profile every single moment. Every thought has its own unique uh, DNA, if you will, its own unique footprint. (laughs) A thought has a footprint. What's next? Well, yes, actually, it does. It has its own unique confluence of biological hormones, of other neurochemicals, neuropeptides, oxygen, CO2, presence of nitrogen and hydrogen. All of the elements, all of the trace minerals are coalescing, sort of like, you know, when you turn the uh, lens of a kaleidoscope, just an inch? No, 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 no. How about a thousandth of an inch? So that is enough to change. The entire gestalt, the entire configuration, shifting the symmetry of the image in the kaleidoscope. That's the way we are moment to moment. So if you can be 
let's say, physically harmonious with, I'm talking about shirts, I'm talking about clothing, attire, just for a moment to illustrate. In a state of calm and well-being, we then eat food. Our digestion, our metabolism, the entire metabolic process will be enhanced by the fact that we are at emotional well-being, at peace, not disrupted, not irritable, not anxious, not experiencing agita of any sort, non-reactionary, at peace. Digestion will be optimal. Getting the picture. Every element is important to the whole. Then the next step, if you eat really well, as in really healthy, clean, pure, organic foods, you have just added to the picture. You've just brought into your body elements that are at their peak, like picking a peach off the tree or a tomato and eating it right then at the height of its life. Cool. That's what it's like to eat under ideal emotional, psychological circumstances. And that's what I'm suggesting. So this helps you understand that relationship between mind and body. That a person can have a diet that's absolutely, utterly, organically wonderful, clean, lots of green juices, lots of chlorophyll, lots of chlorella, lots of spirulina, lots of oxygen. And if they are in a state of anxiety, it will likely not remove them from that state. If they are in a state of some kind of agita, their digestion will be thrown off. It will be awry. It will be skewed because of their mental, emotional states. So we're talking, friends, about optimizing it all. And to do so, one wants to be, first and foremost, in the proper mental and emotional state. Then one wants to eat good, quality, pure food. One wants to breathe deeply and expand the lung capacity. You know, there's a doctor actually in southern Florida who uh, I've been reading his book. Dr. Searles, his name is actually. Uh, There are a few Searles out there. And he speaks in his book called Pace about the importance of lung capacity to health, well-being, and longevity. So if people are very serious about leading a long and healthy life, then one will be expanding and challenging one's lung capacity. And as a result, there is an entire interesting argument, if you will, about um, short bursts of activity like a sprint and interval training and the like that is much more important, Dr. Searles asserts, 
based on lots of research, than let's say long distance running, marathon running, where it's more of a jog. But if you are able to run fast, it's more like emulating the activity of an animal, which we are in nature, getting out of harm's way, avoiding the maw of that lion. Run for it! And that burst taxes our lung capacity tremendously and gives us a level of vitality that running ongoingly for hours actually does not do. Curiously, curiously. And if you have evidence to the contrary, please chime in. Some studies have shown that long-distance running can actually deplete and degrade immune function. Curious. So this, as with everything else, requires thinking, thought, reflection, and being willing to question the inherited setup. That's our job, folks, as human beings, as Americans, as individuals on planet Earth question everything because then we can come to our own better clarified uh, position that needs to be modifiable based on new evidence that's called being healthy and flexible and resilient and having a strong backbone but one that bends which by the way is the way of measuring longevity and health and age in the ancient Indian yogic tradition. It wasn't chronology. I am 30, I am 40, I am 50, I am 62, I am 73. Uh Uh-uh. That is secondary to what is the flexibility of your spine, man? Let's see it. Let's see you bend That's it. I am at 602-753-1860. 602-753-1860. Open. The mics are open for your queries, your inquiries, your comments. This is the day, folks. Every so often, every three or four or five or six or seven weeks, I do open up the lines for your input because, after all, This is really for you. This is a service to you. So how important is the food we put in? Oh, very important. And I am making the clear point that our emotional and mental condition state when eating or drinking anything will affect the absorption, metabolism, and value of that nutrition that we take in. So, yes, you could query. Well, if mental and emotional states have so much to do with it, then what if I eat something that's not, you know, on paper so good for me, but I have a glowing, beaming attitude? Will it be, like, less less bad for me? Will it be a little better for me? Well, you know, that is a sound argument, and there is some modicum of accuracy to that. But you know what? 
it's only a modicum and there's another substrate to that which is if I feel really good about myself if I really do love myself and my love is a declaration it doesn't mean I'm like kissing my hand all day that's not what self-love means (laughs) excuse me it's a funny image Um, no that's not it it's not Narcissus that's not perhaps the best way to understand love is to understand respect. And maybe the better way of understanding self-love is to have a sense of self-respect. In one of the interviews I did some months back with Austin Vickers, who is the filmmaker of a film that uh, is called um, the, The Mind Versus the State of Illusion. Is that what it was? Something of that sort brilliant, wonderful movie. Uh, He introduces uh, a professor from MIT and who in turn quotes a philosopher philosopher from Chile who said something like, the best way to understand love is to understand respect. So, when I speak of love, I am largely speaking of respect. So, if in this example, I respect myself, you respect yourself, why would you put something into your body that isn't wholesome, healthy, and nourishing? I mean, like, truly, scientifically, provably nourishing, i.e., with the least amount of toxicity, with the most level of liveliness and organicity, with the most uh, live, i.e., raw freshness, fruits and vegetables and the like, you know, it stands to reason. Can you still love and respect yourself? And you don't have a diet exactly like that? Well, yes, yes, oh yes. Uh, The film by Austin Vickers I was seeking to reference just now is called The People Versus the State of Illusion. The People Versus the State of Illusion. I got close. (laughs) My mind wasn't working that well. But if you go to our radio archive at abetterworld.tv, and just scroll backward a little bit, a few months back, uh, or put his name in, Austin Vickers, into the search engine on the right of the home page and click for categories, radio archive, you will find it and you can hear my interview with Austin for free. And uh, you may well enjoy it. And uh, we talk about some of these topics in that and uh, in fact you can even order the uh, video that he made right there on our website on his page with the permanent link to my radio interview with him 602-753-1860 602-753-1860 
602-753-1860. So, you know, not to elaborate too far, but once you have this mind-body movement, connection, aliveness going, you are ready for action. You want to have a sense of self-respect as you move forward. You want to put good, healthy things in your body and maximize the nutritional quotient, NQ, nutritional quotient, as important as IQ and almost as important as EQ, our emotional intelligence, a subject we frequently discuss and reference here at A Better World. Because, after all, let's face it, folks, we are not rational beings. Look at the world. What rational do you see out there? What rational do you actually even see in your own life? Not much. We live, as Dr. Hubert Benoit says, the author of The Supreme Doctrine, and a series of other books, one of which I translated, called The Interior Realization, back many moons ago, from the French. And he says that we all live according to our own metaphysics, our own hierarchy of beliefs, self-designed. Even if someone is Catholic or Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist or Taoist or Zoroastrian or Shinto or Protestant, it doesn't matter. Because each individual, like a biological profile, there's a psychobiological profile. And you're understanding the words of Christ, the words of the Baal Shem Tov, the words of Confucius, the words of Lao Tzu, your own way. Truly, it's through your own bioelectric chemical mechanism, your own interpretation of reality, folks. Yeah. So... It's fun to recognize this, and it's very, very useful to see that we are in our own subjectivity, and we can pop out, but our subjectivity has as its base our emotionality, not our rationality. If human beings were rational, we would not have war. If human beings were rational, we would not have genetically modified organisms. If human beings, yes, that is my subjective opinion, with objective parameters to support it, thankfully. If we were rational, we would not be polluting our Earth. If before we understood the detrimental, deleterious effects of fossil fuels, we could have relatively rationally used them up to a certain point in our history. But as soon as there was a scientific recognition, as well as a subjective recognition, of the harm they do to the lungs, to the skin, to digestion, to uh, the air, we would say, whoa, what other course of action can we strike out on to power our vehicles and to power our homes? That would have been the turning point, and that would have happened a long time ago. Curiously, 
it is my understanding, that Henry Ford came out with an electric car back then when electric cars were not yet known and petrol cars were just coming to the fore. In other words, it could have been nearly from the get-go that we would have had, instead of fossil fuel-based cars, we would have had electric cars. Can you imagine the different geopolitics we would have had in the 20th century? The 21st, had that happened? The other day, some of us were talking about what would have happened if Al Gore became president as he was rightfully elected to be before the Supreme Court decided to illegally, I dare say illegally, intervene in a state's election process that was skewed by the governor and his secretary of state. And all of this is well described in the work by Greg Powis, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, who is a guest here at A Better World TV quite some years back when that book first came out. So isn't it interesting? And I posited, without knowing, I posited that if Al Gore would have been installed in the White House, as I personally believe, with evidence he should have been based on the fact that he won the electoral vote and the popular vote, we might not have ever had the occurrence we know as 9-11. Preposterous, you say? Let it be preposterous. That's my assertion based on the evidence that I have available to me, some of which we have discussed on these here airwaves and TV waves of a better world reaching back in time. I'm not going to discuss that right now, but that is my opinion, and it's an interesting one. And I will then say, okay, in the event that uh, 9-11 would still have happened, dare say, that war would not have been a consequence. You know, war in Afghanistan, forget about Iraq, totally trumped up case, that was sold, as they say, to the media, and then sold in tandem to the American people. Who ever heard of selling a war? You want to talk rational? You know, you can sell bananas, but you don't sell wars. Who wants to buy a war? No one. There's nothing rational about it. The whole enterprise, as God bless him, General Eisenhower, Republican, told us way back when. In fact, he said... Beware of the military-industrial complex. And I have since learned, actually, just in this past year, that if it weren't for his brother looking out for his brother Dwight's uh, well-being, also said, 
beware of the congressional military industrial complex. Whoa, he was looking to take it all down and really blow the whistle, the truth, say the truth, about what he saw up front and personal as President of the United States and as a general, a highly decorated general in the Army, the U.S. Armed Services. So, look, General Smedley Butler saw this back in World War I, who dared to declare war as a racket. And I quote, war is a racket. Well, if you're not familiar with the quotes I'm making, or you are, you understand, and if not, do Google, do look into this, because you'll go, oh my God, war isn't that thing that helps to promote democracy? as we say in Chinese. The time is time to let you all know that you are listening to Mitchell J. Rabin on these here airwaves of A Better World Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We can be found at www.abetterworld.tv. That's abetterworld.tv if you do not yet receive our free weekly newsletter, please do join the other 75 or 80,000 people who do across the world, literally across the planet. Yes, many of them are centered in the United States, and many of them are centered in the general New York area, vicinity, tri-state, quadra-state area, including Pennsylvania. But truly, we have people from all over tuning in, getting the newsletter, reading it weekly. It's not long. It's not cluttered. We have an excellent team of interns who help us out every week. And we also want to ask you for a donation to keep us alive, to keep us going, or send us sponsors, even better. We were asking for a mere Starbucks equivalent of a cup of coffee every, not day, no, not even week, month, month, I tell you. So that's $3, approximately $3. Actually, the the cup of coffee at Starbucks is more costly than what we're asking for per month. Imagine you and I are sitting down at a Starbucks having a cup of java. And you kindly invited me to that cup, to that sitting. That's what, if each of you listening, each of you listening, and if you forward this link to your friends or our newsletter, and they're listening and watching and reading A Better World, wow, we would have enough money to pay our people who do so much of their work as an act of love, an act of kindness, an act of appreciation for what we're attempting to do here. Reach the people and educate the people about things that will not be found on your ordinary radio stations or TV stations or overall conventional, I like using that word, conventional media. So, I also want to let you know that we offer 
a healing service, an energy balancing service called Harmonic Energetic Balancing, or a.k.a. EB program. Now, that's a different thing. That's a paid service of some $600 a year, and we have many people on it from different parts of the country, actually, who have been on it over the years. We've been offering this for 14 years here in New York City, although you can be on it from anywhere via a holographic representation of yourself called your photograph. For more information on that, do go to our website and see. Also, I want to take a moment to announce the opening of a new website of my work as a counselor and therapist and coach and stress management consultant and business coach, and that is MitchellRabin.com. You have heard it first, folks, here on A Better World Radio, MitchellRabin.com is the new up-and-coming website of my work with individuals, with business owners, with executives, with uh, persons in couples, individuals, with families. Because the substrate, again, is communication. That is the key operational word for who gets along with whom, when, and how. And as you'll see on our website, we have a quote from Cool Hand Luke about a failure to communicate and how important that is to be able to successfully communicate. And when you have that, you have understanding, you have listening, and you have the potential for success. It really is a formula. And I help people formulate. So uh, that's a completely separate service. It is available. Just call our phone number, go to our website, send an email, and we will get you scheduled. Those are the services offered by Mitchell Rabin and by A Better World for your own health and well-being because health and wellness Mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual are all part of our mission, an intrinsic, organic part of our mission. So let me move on to some other subjects now that we are feeling very alive. And with it, we want to make a difference. We want to contribute. We want to have fun in this world. And while having fun, We want to earn money and we want to contribute. And there are so many ways to contribute. Oh my God, where do we begin with that conversation? Well, we have to look at the things that are actually threatening us because indeed there are many. As the Desiderata says, beware, the world is full of trickery. And indeed it is. Everywhere. but not everywhere. As Paul Hawkett, the author of The Ecology of Commerce some years back, and more recently, Blessed Unrest, details the presence of some 2 million, when he wrote the book it was 200,000, now it's 2 million organizations 
nonprofit NGOs, businesses, social enterprise businesses, for profit that are doing marvelous things to advance a culture of intelligence, of wisdom, of heart, of compassion. A world that is harmonious, that is green, that is sustainable. A world in which we have zero waste, in which we have reduced our carbon footprints, in which we are using renewable energies to power our world. We are using our chi to power ourselves. This is the kind of world we can have. And there are many of us utterly, completely committed to that outcome and are working assiduously, diligently for it, toward it. And this radio show, folks, every single week is addressing in one measure or another these subjects. How to, what to, when to, who to, right? So, as one of our guests recently, David Christopher, the author of The Holy Universe, spoke of in his wonderful book that the Earth has faced five great extinctions. Yes, the dinosaur, ice ages, different kinds of volcanic catastrophes, what may have been magnetic polar shifts or actual shifts, solar activity, all of these have been very real and have been part of our geological heritage. And we can't lose sight of that just because we feel that we are so advanced technologically and culturally and civilly. But that's not really true. We're not very advanced at all technologically. Oh, impressive. Emotionally and in Civility? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Flintstones time, babe. Flintstones. Primitive. Still, how can you live a life of feeling luxurious when you know there are children malnourished, if not starving, and starving across the world, just across the ocean? How about even in our own cities? How about in our countryside? Right here in the old U.S. of A. Doesn't that unsettle your stomach? What is civil about that? What is civil about genetically modifying food and then saying that that should not be announced, labeled? What's democratic about that? You know, just as one example, how about putting mercury in things unannounced? How about that? Mercury is a poison, my friends, and we all know it. Yet, it shows up in pharmaceutical agents. Bad. Provable. And done. Anyway, we have major, major things to face. Climate change probably being the singularly most daunting on a physical, material, environmental level. And indeed, we need to address it. We will be having uh, Bill McKibben and others on from 350.org in relatively short order to discuss 
these fine points. We need to be aware of something else that we discussed on the radio recently and in recent memory, and that is when I interviewed Mitch Jones of Food and Water Watch on the subject of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a.k.a. TPP. Aren't we big on those acronyms? Ho, ho, ho. Maybe that's HHH. Anyway, the Trans-Pacific Partnership threatens us legally, emotionally, yes, um, environmentally also, uh, and politically, and socially, in profound ways because it is designed despite some of the propagandaist uh, descriptions um, and embellishments, to deny us our constitutional rights. Well, that's absurd, you say. You're right, it is. Remember I said not rational? This is that, this. We, our laws, our constitution, our bills, our legislation, our Supreme Court would be rendered subordinate to a corporate judiciary, a judicial structure run by the uh, members of an organization such as the WTO and nation states. Don't believe me? Check it out. Go to foodandwaterwatch.org Go to Public Citizen and click on Global Trade Watch and read Lori Wallach. Those are but two. Uh, Democracy Now! has also done shows on this. Gary Null has also done shows on this. And that's just a small window in which, through which to look and listen and learn about something that you will not find in ordinary media, or if you do find it, will be so skewed, it will be Obamaized, baptized by the president as something good for us, just as, hmm, will this be controversial among us, Obamacare? Tell me, in a free nation, in a democracy, Why should we be legally compelled to have health insurance? Tell me why. There's nothing free about that. I feel that if people want to have it, oh, they should have it. They should have insurance. Or better yet, the real solution, a real solution, is that people take care of themselves, just like they've always done for centuries and millennia. They take care of themselves. They eat well, they sleep well, they drink water, they drink well, they exercise well, they play well, they laugh a lot, they sing, they dance, they celebrate life. They engage in various ceremonies they may like, rituals they want, they worship their God, whatever that may be for them. They walk in nature, they contemplate, they are mindful They take care of themselves. You say it's more complex these days. We need hospitals and emergency rooms and catastrophic care and all that. Well, you know, 
That's a good point. It's true. We do need some of those things. And God knows we're so delighted if we were to need them that we can go to them. Well, pay as needed. Have health care, or let's call them medicinal services, at a very reasonable price. Instead of these insane multi-billion and even trillion dollar budgets, I mean, where's that at? That's pharmaceutical money. That's what? That's hospital corporation money. That's not the real cost at all whatsoever of providing a simple service that a doctor who used to knock on your door and sit by your bed and come to your house used to charge. It just isn't the case. And if we weren't so lowly because of fast foods, because of bad foods, because of things that aren't even food being served to our youth, promulgated by television advertisements and the like all over the place, people are eating garbage and drinking polluted water and on and on and on, then people could actually get a leg up on their own well-being, and health. What do you say to that one, folks? And yes, if they can't get the doctor to come to your house and make a house call, then you go to a clinic. Or, if need be, you go to a hospital. Keep the costs low and let the doctors be in true service. And it will all work out. If the must-have, a government-operated system like Canada does, like England does, like France does, like Germany does, like almost all uh, first-world countries, as they're called, so be that. What's called single-payer. Go get the help you need. Send the bill to the government. I don't really like that greatly because it could swell costs in some ways. I think there are ways of managing it. But please realize the insurance company and industry is all but a broker. That is what it is. And you don't need insurance at all. At all. And why the Obama White House decided to promulgate of all industries, I don't know why. Because it's just a broker. They do not provide any real medical services at all. Zero. So why make them so bloody important? I say, go direct for services. First, take care of yourself. Then, if you're having trouble and you scrape your knee and you need some help, go to your mother or go to your wife or vice versa. Okay, I know it sounds funny. Go to your friend. Take care of yourself. Drink the herbs. Douse yourself with the herbs and your skin. Drink well, eat well, sleep well, exercise well, laugh a lot. Just as I said, dance well, sing, and the vibrations of all of those are going to make you one healthy poison. Yeah, that's right. One very healthy, robust person. And when those times come, and they do sometimes come, when we need some pretty severe medical attention because we had a serious fall, injury, accident. After all, we drive cars and airplanes and bus 
horses and trucks and boats and bicycles, real fast, you know, motorcycles, etc. And we need help. There is help. There is help. Thankfully, Western medicine has excelled in emergency medicine. It does beautifully. Why should it cost, no pun intended, an arm and a leg? Why? There's no earthly reason except for unprecedented profit. I love profit. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me going. I love profit. It's wonderful. In moderation. In moderation. And it can be moderated like anything and everything else. Anyway, we must stand up about this TPP and the fast-tracking of it. Fast-track is a mechanism started, originated by Richard Nixon, who resigned because of illegal activity. And one of the illegal activities should have been the institution of fast-tracking that should have been deemed unconstitutional because it forced our elected officials in Congress to us to um, um, what's the word subjugate to abrogate even better their their oath of office to negotiate best on our their constituents behalf through discussion through understanding through learning and negotiation with their peers in Congress, and fast-tracking obviates that, obliterates that, eliminates that. Okay? Uh Uh-uh. Against the rules, constitutionally, against the rules. How did it pass? That's a whole other story. But it didn't get eliminated then. It should be getting eliminated now. It should certainly not be used for TPP or anything at all. So, first we must eliminate fast-tracking of anything. And then to really dissect, deconstruct the TPP and see how much of it is really about trade that will benefit anybody but the richest and the wealthiest 1%. If you can come back with a better story than I'm telling, oh, I want to hear it. I really do. I really do. So these are the things on our agenda. We must deal with this climate change issue that is being fueled, no pun intended, by the Keystone Pipeline, which, as James Hansen said, one of the greatest climatologists from NASA ever uh, said, Keystone Pipeline, tar sands, earth, game over that's not the way we want to play folks we want to keep playing there's a lot of life to play a lot of joy to have a lot of dancing to do a lot of singing to give voice to so i'm going to leave you with that certainly there is more certainly we want to understand the neuroscientific mechanisms in place for people to remain irrational That means things out of proper ratio, out of proper proportion. If you go back to the Latin ratio, you will see 
that there's a mathematical relationship in general between the way the mind works, the body works, the heart works, the soul and spirit work, the way different portions of the brain work from the reptilian to the mammalian and limbic to the prefrontal cortex. And you want everything in proper ratio to each other, which will allow for rational thinking. A lot of thinking does happen with the heart. We know that there are some 40,000 neurons dancing in the heart. There are neurons, neuroreceptor sites, dancing in the gut. Dancing. Well, something like that. They are there. And we are thinking with our gut. Hence the gut reaction. The gut instinct. You bet. Our bodies are strewn with neuroreceptor sites. Neuropeptides. Not just the head brain. The head brain's a good one. But we're thinking with our body as the book by Mabel Ellsworth Todd. Oh, did I pick that one up out of the archive? The Thinking Body, Columbia University, 1925? Oh, my. A prox, my friends. Don't hold me to the date. But this is a way of understanding. The work of Shelvet, uh, Charlotte Selver and sensory awareness is always of understanding how we think with our bodies. And when our bodies are well, we think more clearly. The work of Moshe Feldenkrais, the work of Alexander, and my dear friend and colleague, Daniel Singer, who I've had on these airwaves before, go into the archive, Daniel Singer, who is a senior instructor at the Alexander Institute here in New York City, can help people understand the higher workings of their mind and brain through posture, through movement, through body economy. Is this interesting? I wager that if people listen to my diatribes over time, they will connect dots that they never knew existed in the first place. And then not only learn that they exist, but then to connect them into a larger gestaltic, holistic whole, a planetary thinking, a global brain and nervous system, a universal brain and nervous system, bringing in our friends from afar, and in that way unite ourselves with our brothers and sisters to create a friendly, yes, Einstein, a friendly universe and really march ourselves into a future that has compassion at its heart and mindfulness in its soul, rational thinking in the true sense that includes the height of imagination and the height of creativity. So on that note, really, we are out of time right now, my friends. I am so glad you've tuned in. Forward this link, if you would, to your friends who think globally or who want to think globally, who are pushing inside for understanding things from a larger perspective, but from the micro, from the personal, from the individual, and the role of love and love as respect. You know? Let's take this out of the mystical while, while respecting the mysterious. 
character of life. Do I have to tell you how mysterious it is? With humility, we can move forward and create a better world, my friends. We have technologies that are awesome to help support the creation of a democratic, of a profitable, and a sustainable world. The problem isn't profit. The profit, the problem is profit at any cost. Eh-eh. That's, you know, game over. That leads to the exploitation of children, the exploitation of ethnicities, the exploitation of women, the exploitation of people. Of, it leads to human trafficking. It leads to drugging. It leads to the exploitation of Mother Earth herself and the, uh, the staking in the ground and thinking of Earth just as a resource instead of as a beautiful body of love and fertility, of fecundity, which she really is, the giver of life, the giver of our life. And to that we owe great respect. And we should have an economy and a body politic that accords with that. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for a Better World. Remember our other website, MitchellRabin.com. Of course, that's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, Rabin, Arabin, R-A-B-I-N.com. For those services I offer, capacity as counselor, coach, consultant, stress management consultant, business consultant, and personal. So on that note, please get our newsletter, look up the HEB program, consider a Starbucks equivalent of a donation per month to a better world or whatever it is you may want to afford to help us keep going, or even better, refer sponsors with deep pockets. So with that, we can really move forward and excel and expand our markets so we can reach more and more people. This is Mitchell J. Rabin signing off with Mozart. I want to thank you again for listening. Please forward advance to your friends. And with that, I thank you again wish you good night and I look forward to seeing you all 